This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy's special edition, Batman, The Long Halloween, Part 1. My fanboy special edition on Batman: The Long Halloween Part One. The animated brain trust has convened. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Paul Montgomery. Trick or treat. And Ryan Haupt. 
very happy. And we have a spoiler warning for you. We're going to be spoiling the Batman the Long Halloween, at least part one. Maybe we'll try not to spoil part two. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. This is the latest in the DC Universe. What was once known as the animated original movie line, now just the DC Universe movie line. Paul, what number movie is this? Number 42. 42. Ooh, Lucky episodes. 42. And it was written by Tim Sheridan, based on the story by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, and directed by Chris Palmer. And Paul and I were discussing before Ryan got here, because he's a doctor, he makes us wait. I also make you turn your head and call. We'll There's talk about that on the show. Some, ambulance chaser. There is some opinion that this is part of the new DC animated shared universe. I have a hard time believing that. That's a lawyer as an ambulance chaser. Never mind. This may or may not be part of the new continuity. It certainly is animated in the same style. This was supposedly, according to the geniuses of Wikipedia, but, well, the, I mean, they have, the, there is a, a source. Mm-hmm. They have a footnote. They said this was supposed to be the beginning of the new animated continuity that eventually, so Superman Man of Tomorrow was supposed to follow this? Or anyway, it's supposed to be part of that continuity. I have a hard time believing that, considering there's, I don't, a, lot, there's a lot of weird. high-priced voices in this movie. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. This is part one of two of the adaptation of the celebrated Batman Long Halloween series. The series that I think is just okay. And every time I say that, I get people jumping down my throat about it. What's that, a maxi series? Or is it 12? 13 issues. 13 issues. Yeah, maxi series. Okay. So part one, I think it's the first six issues. I think. Sure. It takes us up to New Year's. So in preparation for watching this film, I reread... The first six issues. I stopped halfway through. And actually, I think it's only the first five issues, if I'm being honest with you. Okay. Yeah, chapter six is St. Patrick's Day, and it involves Poison Ivy. So it's really just the first five issues. Well, if you count the post-credit scene, right. we've got a tease for the Poison Ivy. The most unneeded post-credit sequence ever. Mm. So, anyway, chapter five is Valentine's Day. Did we get to Valentine's Day? No. No, no there's only the first four issues. We went from Halloween to New Year's. Yeah, it's the first four issues of 13. It's going to be a meaty set part two. So, this film stars Jensen Ackles as Batman, the late Naya Rivera as Catwoman, Josh Demel as Harvey Dent, Billy Burke as Commissioner Gordon, one of my favorites, Titus Welliver as Carmine yes. Falcone. Bosk? Bosch. 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 Bosch was a, not, not Bosch a bounty hunter. Was a bounty hunter in the Empire Strikes Back. Jack Quaid as Alberto Falcone. And Troy Baker as the Joker. Let's just jump into it. So first of all, I read this the first six issues like weeks ago because the film was delayed in its release to rental, which is after we record this so that Paul and Ryan can rent the film. So I read it. I thought I was going to read it much closer to recording time because my brain is just full of holes now. Okay. So I spent a good portion of this film going, was that the book? Was that the book? Was that the book? Wait, was that car chase in the book? Was that fight in Chinatown in the book? I couldn't remember anything. So what did you guys think of this as an adaptation? <laughs> I think it's certainly in the spirit of this being like it's it's almost it's it's weird. It's almost like the source material I think is wound up at this point with a lot of the Nolan trilogy mm-hmm. and all the Falcone stuff that I forget where certain beats come from right so it's it's weird it's weird for there to be an adaptation of that source material after that very loose 
the Nolan trilogy is an adaptation of The Long Halloween, but it, I think it certainly lifts a lot of ideas from it and owes a lot to that. Maybe more so than anything else in the Batman lore, looking at this. But I, th- I think while they don't 100% go into Tim Sale's style. No, but it's cool to see his art in the opening. You do see his art throughout. And it feels of a piece with that. You you can see some of the Tim Sale DNA mixed in with... Yeah, I mean, they were never going to be able to animate his style. Their traditional not, style. Not, not at their budget. Right. But I loved the backgrounds. Yeah, we should talk about that. It looks like if Tim Sale did character designs for an episode of the Venture Brothers, that's what this looks like. Hmm. Commissioner Gordon, in particular looks like he's lifted out of an episode of the Venture Brothers. It's something about the mustache. Um, but he, he looks a lot like one of those characters. The backgrounds, the which backgrounds, had sort of, a, yeah. sort of a rough texture to them, looked mm-hmm. cool. And that might be where the closest you're going to get to seeing Tim Sale's art animated. I mean, they showed his art in still shots in the credit sequence. But I thought, you know, as weird as it is to have these heavily outlined characters against very painted backdrops, I thought it looked really cool. I yeah, that was my I think it looked part really it was, pretty. Was that it was really nice looking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was interesting to me as an adaptation is that the Long Halloween is known for its basically its Godfather swipe. Right. You know, it opens up with the same exact. You know, the first line of the Godfather is. I believe in America, the first line of the Long Halloween is I believe in Gotham City, and they do that scene, but they completely take away the homage aspect of it i mean like you have falcone's son who's basically michael corleone but it felt like they were getting away from that the swipiness of it of the original work and also i thought it was a very interesting choice to kind of move away from the holiday murders because the book is all about the oppressive nature of the serial killer in gotham and every chapter is a new holiday and a new murder there was a point in this movie where for about 10 minutes I forgot that there were even holiday murders going on. It barely happened. They do hit those beats and you do get like sort of almost a title card for each holiday where yeah. there's I mean they happen but it's, it's not like it isn't right. this the driving force of the story. It's the, yeah, it seems the, like the took, way it's paced. They took yeah. like a bunch of of the the Harvey Dent Batman Christopher Gordon or Captain Gordon stuff from Nolan's Dark Knight and then sort of also interwove that with Holiday Murder. So there's like a lot of story where we're just spending time dealing with Harvey Dent and his relationship with his wife and him getting more and more frustrated with his role as the DA and that sort of weird relationship that Gordon has with Batman. And that, that was the only part of the movie that bogged down for me was sort of all the Harvey Dent stuff that, like you said, wasn't directly about Holiday. It just felt like the Holiday Murders would show up out of nowhere. You know, whereas in this comic, they're very weaved into the fabric of the mafia mm. in the city okay. and then the criminals it seems like every scene even if they're not directly about the murders is about the murders and whereas this movie i thought was like almost like oh right we got to stick in a murderer again they didn't build up the characters like one of the characters was murdered the nephew falcone the first murder right but we don't see him before that so it's like i don't really care this guy got shot yeah that's one of my complaints about this is that it's a bunch of mobsters dying i don't care Right, because they don't build the characters up at all. I mean, I've heard there's not even I've heard the mafia's. Well, there isn't the mafia. I mean, this is it's all fictional, but 
That's what I've heard. I just thought it was a very strange choice in a story that's so well known as this long murder mystery to basically move away from the murder mystery aspect of it. And there's a giant chase scene and fight in Chinatown with a bunch of new characters. And I was like, I don't think any of this happened in the book. Triad and stuff, yeah. I understand that for these things, they always have to add in extra action sequences, but it just seemed bizarre. As much as I enjoy seeing Solomon Grundy turn up, what is the point of that? Right. I feel like they're setting that up because, like, there. It's also it was it 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 hit me that like it's it's weird that Batman just continues to let him exist down there, like, and doesn't yeah. try to bring him in or do anything about it. And I think that's like a setting it up for a payoff in the in part two. I can't remember though because I didn't bother to read the comic. Yeah, but just looking objectively at this half, it doesn't. It has fit. nothing to do with yeah. anything, and like except that. I mean, the holiday thing, Batman brings him Thanksgiving dinner, leaves right. it in the sewer for him. And it's like this cool bit of color. And like the fact that I like seeing Solomon Grundy and it's and it's fun and it's a great design and everything. And I know that Solomon Grundy played a role in the, in the comic. It's been a long time since I've read the comic. Yeah. But I know that he's part of and I can see the Tim Sale design in my head. But I think there's this anticipation when you're in the sewer in Gotham City, like, oh, Killer Croc. But no, it's Solomon Grundy. It's, it's something different. So it's a little bit. And and to go on to, on to that a little bit, I realized watching this, I'm kind of, I mentioned the Dark Knight. I'm kind of burnt out on the Two-Face story. <laughs> oh, really? Because I, I, that was one of, I don't know if it's even possible to find someone who doesn't know just from pop culture osmosis that Harvey Dent becomes Two-Face. But right. I actually really liked how they sort of, kept dropping hints <laughs> about they do they do a fake out where you like you, event, you, you they do do he, a fake out yeah he ends up in a hospital after an explosion and you don't see one half of his face and then it's it's kind of it's like a comedic beat when he meets up with gordon later on the street and he turns and you see that his face isn't messed up right and, and he also like, like that also that scene in the hospital bed was also very cribbed from Nolan where they kept, you know, right. shooting, you know, shooting him where he'd turn his face at the last second. You wouldn't see it. And then they finally right. reveal it. Um, and you're, you're waiting for it. Now, I, I think that so I, I have conflicted feelings on this. I think one of the surprise things about this movie is Josh Duhamel's performance as Two-Face. Like, I was a little skeptical. Or, or not Two-Face, excuse only, me, Harvey Dent. There's only Harvey Dent in this movie. There are only Harvey Dent. I don't know. Who's I, this Two-Face I believe in only character? Harvey Dent. I was skeptical of that going in. but And usually, Harvey Dent is depicted as really smooth. I think of the animated series depiction. I think of, right. you know, Eckhart, even in, in the Nolan movie, Eckhart. Like, he's kind of smooth. He's like, he's, he's very likable. This is a really rough kind of He's an angry Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent. It's Josh Demel, yeah. by the way. And so I really like that. But to, to very quickly to my thing, I, like I'm, I think if there hadn't been all of this, like there's so much Two Face, so much Batman, Joker, Two Face, in the past ten years. Yeah, I think I would have enjoyed this more because well, it, I think this is a really good take on it. But I'm just I'm burnt out on seeing the same story over and it's over. It's interesting because this is a book featuring a cavalcade of characters, and yeah. not only do we not really focus on any of them. They added new ones. Like, they added Montoya to the story. She's not in the book. They added James Gordon Jr., who's not a, not in the book. Right. I, I was like, why Why even add James Gordon Jr.? Unless, Paul, this is actually in this new continuity and they plan on using him later. But, like, mm, okay, it was an odd thing. Like, why add the extra kid? There's no reason for it. Yeah. It, I enjoyed watching this movie to an extent, but there were long stretches where I got kind of bored. It's a slow burn. 
And it's not because of the nature of the story, which is this investigation. I think it's just because they added all these things that didn't propel the story forward. Mm. You know, I'm in for this murder mystery. Tell Big Batman as a murder mystery story, because we've seen a hundred million Batman action adventure stories. But you know, they added in a lot of the action and they took out a lot of the murder mystery. So it's like, well, then what am I watching? A hodgepodge here of the story. Also, this is an early Batman. Jensen Eccles plays a younger Batman. Yeah, I didn't really yeah. like a lot of the characterization. He's kind of an asshole. I mean, Batman's kind of an asshole, but he's more of an asshole than even normal. Batman's kind of an asshole. Yeah, he is, but I like this was like he was at one point. He's like, I have to go out hunting, and I thought that Batman doesn't go out hunting. He goes out patrolling. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they they definitely leaned into like Batman as like kind of a cop, kind of like a, an instrument of the state, like of state violence against people, even if they are mobsters. Like him and Gordon were constantly willing to be like, all right, I'm gonna put let you push this up to the limit of like what we're legally allowed to do, even though I know we're kind of. Dancing on thin ice here, and Batman was like, "Yeah, I'm into it. I'm gonna hit this guy." And it's, uh, it, yeah, he was kind of a bully. And Batman's the one who introduces the double-headed coin. Yeah, yeah. At one point, he said, "I didn't think there'd be so much detective work in this." And I was like, "What?" That was what funny. Yeah, I that was funny. That. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, who? Like, <laughs> he's a Dark Knight detective. He thought he was just gonna get to beat people up like a bully, like a big. That's brush. what I mean. Like, I don't really love this characterization. It was a very strange film. I liked it as a younger take on Batman who's still learning the ropes, who's still figuring things out. That worked. And, and you know, Gordon and Alfred, two of his, I guess, does Gordon count as a father figure? Alfred definitely does. But, you know, they're both kind yeah, of giving him advice, yeah. coaching him along. Here he feels like a big brother figure. Yeah. yeah. This doesn't feel like a much older. Would it doesn't. kill them to give Alfred the dark hair? <laughs> Might. Do we have to have old Alfred every time with the gray hair everywhere? Especially in a story like this where it's supposed to be young Batman. Like, give him the dark hair. Just one time for me. I feel like they either do, they do very elderly Alfred, or they lean into the John's Batman Earth. Oh, yeah, Earth like the, um, the Cockney ex Where, yeah, SAS where he's guy. basically, uh, what's his face, Gollum. <laughs> Andy Circus. Andy Circus. We haven't like, even seen Andy Circus as Alfred, though. Right, we're going to see him too. So what did you guys think of the Joker? I... I was the, bothered by the father, just distracted by the fact that Troy Baker was basically doing Mark Hamill impersonation. He, he, I think I he does a very good job. He does, he does a good job, but it's like, do a new voice. But like, we're all new voices. It's here. very yeah. false. So Troy Baker is mostly a, a video game voice actor a guy. He's I the to, video game guy. <laughs> and I listened to everything. an interview with him recently, and he was pretty delightful in that interview. And like, I mostly know him from his more serious video game ro- roles. You know, your Bioshock Infinite, where he's Booker, and he's very sad and upset the whole time. You know, Booker DeWitt. And so I had a lot of fun with him as Joker, because I just heard this interview. So I'd heard, like, I heard that as a person, he actually is kind of silly and not as, as yeah, serious like and straight-laced as, as, plays, as uh, some of the characters he plays in the video game world. So not only did I think he did a very passable Mark Hamill impression, I could tell it wasn't Mark Hamill, but I could also be like, oh, this person's kind of nailing it. I actually thought this was the funniest Joker has been in a thing that I've seen or read in a long time. Like, I actually laughed at Joker's antics several times in ways that I haven't at a lot of previous material. You know, the, the whole biplane thing. It's, oh, it was great. It's, it's, it was just, great. it's a fun design for the Joker. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of in, in the middle. I think it's a very good impression great of impression. Mark Hamill's yeah. Joker. Which is like the definitive Joker, um, but I can also see wanting something a little bit different, and I can't imagine having to step into those shoes and be like, "Well, there have been a lot of other people that have done it." 
It's not yeah. like this is the first well, time we've yeah. heard a new Joker. This is there's been tons of people who have done the Joker in these movies. There's been so many of them. It was just bizarre that they had him basically do an impersonation of Hamill, considering no one else was doing those other voices from the animated series in here. Mm-hmm. It just stood out to me as to me. It was an odd choice. Mm-hmm. I didn't say he did a bad job. I thought he was he was terrific. He was I think he's one of the best voice actors in the movie, but it was just weird. Just a weird choice. Mm. That's, a, that's what I came away from this movie. There was a lot of weird choices. Did you they enjoy have... it? Cole? Yeah, I said so. I, I had fun watching it, but it's just, I felt like, why are they doing it this way? Like, that's what kept I think sometimes when they're doing the adapt, like almost like the prestige adaptations, like the, the when they're doing the big books, I feel like they sometimes feel like there's a pressure to to not do something so far out of the box and like, the box is Mark Hamill, like, right. and Kevin Conroy. So you, I think they feel like they have to stick to what people are used to, and they don't take risks there. And then there's sometimes things like the Superman movie, the Super, the Man of Tomorrow movie, yeah. which isn't perfect, but I feel like there they felt like let's try something a little bit different. Let's do a younger Superman, and let and let's, and that felt like something fresh and new, right in terms of voice cast. But then sometimes they go back to the big stories and they feel like, okay, we got to bring back, either we got to bring back Mark Hamill or we got to have somebody do a Mark Hamill. Right. Yeah, it's just not a choice. It was just not a choice. Mm-hmm. And also the Joker kind of took over the movie. Right? He so does. And he the, the, I mean, he, he put the Joker in something and I don't know, uh, Ryan, some kind of science metaphor. Like It's just like, it takes over. You can't have the Joker quietly in the background. Once you add the Joker, like he becomes the dominant thing. Right. I think Titus Welliver is kind of wasted <laughs> in this role because I, I think he's an awesome actor. Yes. And it's the cool dude. And I think he does a perfectly fine Carmine Falcone, mm-hmm. but they're having him basically just play a mob boss. Like there's nothing super interesting about it. And that's to me the, the bummer about this film is that. You know, so much of the book is about the mob families and their relationships to each other and their internal relationships and, and the people who are vying for power. And none of that happens here, really. It's all just put to the side for Harvey Dent and the Joker and car chases through Chinatown. The only thing you really get here is the bits about how Thomas Wayne was involved with the mob. But mm. And then also a very bizarre scene where... where Carmine Falcone is acting as an MC for a charity event and thanks all of his sponsors. <laughs> this is so weird. This is a weird movie. Oh yeah, he has, he has the like the what the Bishop of Gotham there and the mayor. But like he gives a speech and then he goes, "I'd like to thank our sponsors, Jimmy's Crab Shack," and which they did like as a weird Storm. like off camera yeah. thing where he's just like talking over the crowd. Yeah, that was that was a bizarre thing. You're losing the whole mob angle. You know, like I said, you know, the first victim is his nephew, who we've never seen before that point. Whereas in the comic, you meet him at the wedding in the beginning, which is not happening in this movie at all. There's no mob wedding. So by jettisoning the Godfather elements, they lose the whole setup, which is at that wedding, we meet the entire cast of characters, the mafia people. And since we don't meet them, we don't ever really care about them. And when they start getting murdered, it's like, whatever, a bunch of guys in trench coats got killed. Well, I think one of the big things here that's missing if you compare this to, again, going back to the prestige stuff, Mask of the Phantasm, mm-hmm. which, if you go back and watch today, is not as polished as this is visually. 
it doesn't retain all the gravitas that it has in your mind if you came to it first as a kid. But the Mask of the Phantasm, which also deals with a lot of the mob stuff and the Joker and uh, a mystery, it's really operatic. And this does not feel operatic at all. No. This feels like, I don't know, like they're trying for something a bit more grounded, like modern crime prestige TV, then throw the Batman in there. It's kind of like how I felt with a couple of the moments at the end of the um, the martial arts one we watched. The, the Is it Son of the Dragon? Something like that. Anyway, that one, the recent one, where it felt weird that there was just a dude dressed as a bat walking around. <laughs> with this group of martial artists? With yeah. this group of martial artists. It, just, it felt really out of place. Here, this is one of those things where... You know, yes, it's fun to do gritty crime, Batman. You have some fun with it, with Nolan. But then it's a matter of degrees. And if if you veer off a little bit, it's like, why is this dude wearing a bat costume? Like, this tonally does not work. And that's, I think, some of what happens here, where it just, it's not, it's not as big and fun as something like Mask of the Phantasm is. This just feels like, a ver- again, like a very slow burn and like a mystery that you don't ultimately care that much about. Again, because it's like it's a bunch of mobsters that like I don't I, like they're fodder. They don't do the work of making you care about the mystery. There's no clues. So I'll offer a counterpoint. I actually liked that okay. it was a slow burn. I liked that there weren't like uh, Connor keeps talking about you know inserting car chases and action sequences, and I thought they actually held back on including too many action set pieces. And I almost felt like the action set pieces detracted from the sort of slow burn pace of the mystery of the film. That will be all good. Yeah, but I just didn't need it in this movie. I could have had an entire movie of slow conversations, dread, murder. Like, I didn't need... Yeah, no, Ryan, I agree with you. And I'm all for that. I'm all for slow burn, but I I don't think it was particularly good slow burn. It worked for me. The problem I had was that Again, they just jettisoned the, the mystery of it. So if you don't have a mystery, if you're not following clues and suspects... Yeah, but Batman's not a very good detective yet. So I didn't even know this was part of the job. You know, like, I just want to punch guys. Although I thought Jetson Nichols was fine. It just, without you handing the audience clues to the mystery, they have no investment in the mystery, and therefore it doesn't matter. I also thought that was weird that, you know, in the book, you only ever see the hand of Holiday as they pull the trigger on the gun. And there's a lot of suspects, one of whom is... Harvey Dent's wife. But here, they full-on show Holiday. So it's like, well, yeah, no more guessing that it's Harvey Dent's wife. The way they handled this was so strange to me. Like, like, well, I was like, why are you showing Holiday? That's the whole point. Like, at least, why are you showing him in the first movie? You're like, we don't know who mm. this is. It was just weird. It was weird. I'm, I'm sounding much more negative than I felt about it, but I just... It was a strange movie. And, like, you know, we watched, you know, The Dark Knight Returns Part 1 and 2, and that hewed much more closer to the book than this did. And also Hush... Hushes are similar to this, and Hush they made a lot of changes to. They just, I guess they just, they're just afraid to let a mystery play out. I get it, but it's just weird. But for me, Hush, Hush, wasn't Hush falls either. apart as a movie because they changed the reveal, the yes. ending. Yes. And so, like this one, we don't know if, if that's what's going to happen yet, and if they maintain the, I think if they hew close enough to the story that the absolute outcome doesn't substantially change, I'll still think that they did a pretty good job and be mostly happy with it. And it's the Occam's Razor. It's going to be the Gordon kid. Yeah, it's going to be James. Why, why James Gordon Jr. Thing. Exactly. Yeah, he's, why he's on stilts in a suit. Right. We know that Maggie shot Mr. Burns, so it makes right. sense 
that James Gordon would have shot all these mobsters because he's tired of his dad going to work when he wants to go trick-or-treating or eat his turkey dinner with all the fixings. Mm-hmm. Did you guys say all the fixings in reference to a turkey dinner? That just struck me as an odd turn of phrase. I don't That's say That's certainly it. a phrase. I've never said it before in my life. Yeah. I don't fixins. Yeah. I guess I would say fixins because that's the like if I if I felt like being folksy, right? I'd say all the fixins. But like, but like, isn't isn't Jim Gordon from Chicago? Yes. Like, I just don't know if he would talk in that le- level of folksiness. Right. Mm-hmm. I'll say one thing. I do. Yeah. This is I think carried over from the comic, even though I didn't read the comic. I really like how the different holidays help pace out the fact that this is happening over a specific amount of time in a way of like, these are things that happen every year. So I have an innate sense of like, Oh yeah, I know what it feels like to go from Halloween to Thanksgiving. And I like the way that it, it would sort of show the title card for Halloween. And then the next scene it was cutting to a month later into Thanksgiving. And, and it, I, I liked that it sort of had those juxtapositions and had that sort of pacing where it was playing out over a long enough time frame that you could feel the changing of the seasons, the changing of the tone um, from holiday to holiday. That that worked for me as a way of setting the stage a little bit. I, w- I would have liked a, a Law and Order style, chung, chung, you know, mm, each okay. time it happens, each time you get the little. It's hard to argue card. against uh, the doink doink or whatever. Yeah. You know. doink, doink. Some of the other characters we haven't talked about, David Dasmalkian. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Calendar Man, yep. very creepy. Very creepy. Super creepy. I just want to say, I thought, for the most part, the voice acting was top-notch. I thought, I thought, yeah. you know, Jensen Nichols is fun Batman, Josh Demel's Harvey Dent. I think if he had a little bit of a difference between his Batman and his Bruce Wayne. No, he has a little bit. His Bruce Wayne is a drip. <laughs> <laughs> the characterization of Batman and Bruce Wayne is in this weird. Jensen Ackles, and he did it on Supernatural. He has a very, like, when he's being tough, it feels like a put-on. He's like, I'm doing a voice. But isn't that, I mean, I kind of am okay. That works for Batman. young Batman. Yeah, yeah, that's how Batman sounds. But I don't know if that's intentional. Mm. It's called acting, uh, Paul. I, I'm saying I don't, I don't know if it's an intentional acting choice, or that's just something that he's used to doing on Supernatural for the 25 years he was on that show. David Dasmakian, Dasmakian? Dalsmachian? Sure. He, he played one of the Joker's yes. thugs. In I was going to say, his, that was his first movie. He was good. That's wild that that was his first credited role. Was Strong Calendar Man, creepy. Also, Jack Wade's just cleaning the charts on comic book roles these days. Yeah. So he's cleaning in the, the boys. boys? He's in the boys. He's going to be Superman in the animated thing. Oh, okay. He yeah. was the Michael Corleone role. He was Alberto Falcone. Yeah. And I thought he's... He was really good in his... Not recognizable uh, last, at all. His last scene yep. with Naya Rivera, uh, the late Naya Rivera, as uh, Selena Kyle, Catwoman. I thought she was really good. She was good, too, yes. She, yes. And she does something different. I was kind of surprised. She had a, a real vulnerability to her Selena Kyle that you don't usually get from... Like, Catwoman, when I think of, like, you know, Adrian Barbeau and uh, Anne Hathaway, are very, like, just very strong rarely showing their soft underbelly as Catwoman. Mm. It's, it's always like kind well, of a, you know, like old Hollywood. You know how cats are, Paul. Yeah. They're not great about showing you their soft underbelly. You're going to get... Maybe, like, they're, they're, very, they're, they're usually like a, like a real femme fatale, like, like old yes. Hollywood kind of thing. Super actually, sexy. Yeah, I thought the scene, the scene yeah. where she and, and Bruce broke up was actually quite well done and affecting. Yeah. I mean, obviously she steals his watch, but like I thought her, her handling of Bruce... 
Yeah, I would if I had the skill and could wear a dress like that. But I thought her handling of Bruce's emotional state, almost like recognizing that like this is not a guy who's super emotionally available. So I'm going to walk him through what this breakup means and why. I thought that kind of worked. So I'm looking through the book right now and the scene in the comic where Alberto Falcone gets shot on the boat. No Bruce and Selena in that scene. They're not at the party. The party's purely the mobsters. And what you get is you get all the interpersonal stuff with the mobsters and the Carmine sister. None of that's in the movie. Instead, we get Bruce and Selena on the boat. And I don't buy for a second that Selena accidentally drops Bruce's identity to some... Yeah. Like, I was like, well, that wouldn't happen. So now Alberto knows who Batman is, although he's, he's in shot. Well, shot and then chopped to bits. Right. <laughs> I think he puts it together a little too quickly. He's like, yeah, wait, it, Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Well, although Bruce Wayne is a kind of a thorn in his side because so his dad called him the son he never had. So, right. yeah, I guess Bruce off. Wayne would be sort of front of mind for him. So is so. Bruce Sonny Corleone in this, in this situation? He's kind of a hothead. I've never like actually Sonny. seen The Godfather, no. so. He's kind of a hothead like Sonny. I've seen a million things inspired by The Godfather, so it feels like I have. But Again, just a long line of strange choices, and I don't, I don't buy that for a second, yeah. that, that Selena would make that mistake. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. I, I like the acting. I liked the way it looked. I still don't mind this heavy outlined you know, way they're doing the characters. But I, lo- I love the backdrops. I love the art direction, the old-timey cars and clothing and you know, Tommy guns. That's always the best look for Batman for me. I, I thought this was a nice visual look uh, the character designs were, were strong I think, I think the atmosphere is really cool yeah. I, just, I sort of think like kind of tonally and I just I have to like look at it objectively like just me personally I, I'm not big on like mobster stories so I kind of like zone out on that but looking at it objectively I, I mean we're being pretty critical here but I, I was like for an adaptation of that book like it's fine because I also agree it's not one of my favorite Batman stories. It's a super influential Batman story. I don't think it's a bad one. I don't think it's bad at all. I just don't have it in my top ten. That's all. I've read a lot of Batman stories. There are a lot of Batman stories out there, and there are a lot of different angles on Batman. Yeah. And like that's the one that I was like, eh, just kind of like, it just seems like there's been a really increased focus on Joker, Two Face all the time, the Harvey Dent tragedy, and I think it just so happens that this is the latest in the line of those. And sure. like we said earlier, I liked a lot of the Harvey Dent stuff. I liked the Joker in this. It just so happens that I'm just kind of tired of it. Like, I just, I, I kind of want those put on a shelf for a while. Right. You know? I don't mind them, but, you know, we all have our own thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ryan loved this movie, thought it was the best thing he'd ever seen. <laughs> I mean, it was like the best movie I'd seen <laughs> since that Suicide Squad movie. <laughs> it was bad. So, Okay, the part that Paul loved the most, ratings on this movie oh. out of five stars. I'm just going to give it a three. Three out of five. I'm going to give it a solid four. I think this is a, a four-fork movie. Four. Yeah, three. I think it's a three. Listen, everybody out there... I'm, try, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to to like bridge the distance between like my personal enjoyment of it, but then also just to, like looking at it from a... I don't know. You don't have to do that. You can just you can just base it off your personal enjoyment. Yeah. <laughs> well, shouldn't we be doing I, this out must of I remind two and you a half more. because it's only half of True. the True. experience? Listen, <laughs> and then I, it can. I, I need to remind you that you are not under oath, counselor. You can say whatever you want, and it does not matter. Right. I'm gonna give it a two point five. So you go to two point five. That's fine. Well, is That's that okay a two point five out of five, or is that a two point five out of five? Out of. Yeah. Okay. Two point seven five. So part two 
It's set to come out later this year. We only just had JSA. Was it two months ago that it came out? You can't watch the movies as fast as they're coming out, people. You gotta slow them down. So part two comes out later this year, and then we don't really have a solid idea of what's coming next. <laughs> I just want to end the show at we don't really have a solid idea of what's coming next. All right, bye. <laughs> so we, we don't have a lineup other than the discussion of an Injustice film, but I don't, I don't think that's been officially announced. It may have been, but we haven't heard anything else. So beyond this year, I know there is stuff in the works. I just don't know exactly what they are. We'll talk briefly. And I didn't watch the featurette for part two because I figured what the hell, you know, it's like whatever. Well, it's just part two of this, so I didn't need to see, you know, animated style or anything like that. Tell us how you really feel, man. Well, no, just because like normally I watch them to see what, what the animation is going to look like, who the actors are. Right, we know. So I didn't need to know that. So this one had the Losers, the uh, iconic World War II group. They already made a movie out of that. It's got Captain America. Seven's in it, yeah. This is more closer to the Darwin Cook New Frontier version of the Losers, oh. who wash up on Dinosaur Island. Dinosaur Island, sure. And I was thoroughly kind of bored by this fight. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, they fought a Tyrannosaurus Rex. and What else could you want, man? Fighting dinosaurs? You shouldn't fight that every T-Rex you meet, Paul. Some of them you have to You're like the with. guests at Jurassic World. You're, really, you're just jaded by dinosaurs at this you're point. You're just hanging out at Margaritaville. But the main thing was they put a, a new member of the team turned to be a traitor, and then there was a whole thing with that, and then they went through a portal. I don't know. I just any interesting voice cast or uh, it was yeah the guy who played Ryan O'Reilly on Oz was one of them. Other than okay. that, I didn't recognize any of the names. It was okay. It was fine. It was just like they shot machine guns at dinosaurs for twenty minutes, and then it was over. Who was like Gary Sinise? <laughs> oh. I mean, that'd be good. There's casting. a series of losers shorts buried in these DVDs, and it's just Gary Sinise hanging out doing his military guy. I was bummed because normally something I really love out of either the short or the main feature, and both of them are just kind of okay. So it was just an okay night at the movies for me. It's going to be a long Halloween, folks. If you're a listener or on the show and you love either one of these things, I apologize. It's going to be a long December. There's reasons to believe that this year will be. <laughs> I was blast. really worried coming into this recording because I thought I was going to be the downer on this. And I was very critical on this, but I think Connor's the I was Connor worried. loves Batman. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I was worried you were both going to be the downers because I was like, oh, I actually really like this, which probably means they didn't <laughs> like it. And your instincts were correct. It's so, so well you it's know absurd. us. We've been doing this for so long. Yeah, so there will be more films. We just don't know what they are yet. That We have one more this year with part two of this. And I'm interested. I'm interested to see how it goes. Wait, but one more. Are we not on deck for a certain other animated television program that's coming out on a streaming platform with Plus on the end, which doesn't narrow it down as much as you would think? We haven't talked about it. Totally. Right. So I wasn't going to have the staff meeting on the show. Carol told me we got to figure it out <laughs> and quick because she's got to figure it on the excited about it. <laughs> I am curious to see how they handle the ending because if I recall, the ending of the book was a little convoluted, but... I need to go back and reread it. I don't want to put a stake in the ground on that. Well, it's it's the only mystery that Batman has never solved. Apparently, every mystery in this in this world he's never solved. It's like mysteries are hard. How many <laughs> mysteries have you solved, Connor? I don't purport to be the Dark Knight detective. That's fair. Dark Knight bully. All right. Well, we got nothing else to talk about. That was the film. That was the short. We got the upcoming one. We may or may not do some other non DC universe animated original films. I'm very excited about it. So we'll talk about that amongst ourselves and get back to you. And <laughs> you can always, of course, listen to the Pick of the Week show 
our weekly show about the week's comics that me and my co-host Josh Flanagan and sometimes Ryan Haupt and sometimes Paul Montgomery talk about comics. We have our special edition shows like our Black Widow show we just did. We have our books blows and talks blows and media blows, all kinds of podcasts at ifanboy.com. Ryan has his science sort of show. Paul fixes cars. I don't really. I I say, what is this? It's making this sound and like that that sounds haunted to me. Better get a new one. (laughs) So until the next episode, I am Connor. What do you mean I'm fired? You can't fire me. I'm your son, Paul. (laughs) And uh, I'm Ryan. Wow, Paul Paul took me on an emotional journey with his outro, so I'm just kind of, I'm stunned over here. Guess I should. Oh, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Wow. I need some water. It's drying here. Wow. All right. Soldier crew, keep that. We're hit puberty while recording. Three, oh. three two, one.